Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards and come back to get free coins every four hours only at highfivecasino.com high five casino is a social casino no purchase necessary void were prohibited play responsibly terms and conditions apply see website for details at high the number five casino.com high five casino when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson and we have a fantastic show for you. A roundtable discussion here inside Studio B alongside Todd Graffinini, radio voice in the world Pelicans. Jim Eichenhofer, Pelicans.com, senior writer. I like to put senior in there just to call you old. And Aaron Hardigan, who will be the sideline reporter for tonight's game on Fox Sports New Orleans. Filling in for Jen Hale. microphone in her uh, season old edition of the Pelicans on-court warm-up. Hi. So you're not as fashionable as I thought you were. Can we start off with that? So long story short, uh, Nancy and I the, th- the other night were freezing in the atrium of the Smoothie King Center. So we purchased the uh, we purchased some warm-up jackets in the team store. We were told they were part of the on-court collection. Um, and I believed I was cool up until today when Daniel Salerson noted that it was totally last year's edition. Um, so here I am. That's Hi. the only time I've ever sounded cool in my life when I was like... <laughs> Hello, last season. I mean, Sounds every- like Daniel's an ego crusher, actually. <laughs> well, that's what they brought me in here for, mm-hmm. Todd. Listen, I'm just a mess, and I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. So you're going to be doing sideline for the next couple games, that's correct? Yes, uh, for tonight's game with Phoenix and then in Dallas. So uh, well, I'll get nice. to see the Luca show up close and, and personal, which... <laughs> Unfortunately, we've seen the Seems Luca like show <laughs> a couple times, and it was not fun to watch. But he is, I mean, you... You all are in Dallas, so you're seeing the hype around there probably a lot. What's it been like just in the city of Dallas, you know, with Luca and Chris Thompson, just their start in general? Well, to Jim's uh, point made earlier at Shooter on after you noted my jacket was of last year's collection, <laughs> uh, Luca, like everyone's like, oh, he's so young. And this, you know, he was in the rookie of the year conversation last year, but he's like a wily old vet from yeah. <laughs> from overseas. I mean, he's played professional ball since he was like 13. Yeah, he's like, what is he, like a seventh year veteran? <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Nico Melli here, where it's it's like he's a rookie, but he's is he really a he's rookie? Twenty eight years right? old, yeah, right. He's and and uh, you know, so he, I. What I love about Luca is he's just like he's like that brother, like he's like your brother out there, like toying with you in the backyard of the hoop, you know, in the driveway, and he's just, you know, he's looking at you like I'm gonna figure you out quickly, and I'm gonna beat you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you only get me for so long, right? That's- I think that's a great point. I think one of the highest compliments you can give somebody, and it's very strange saying this to someone who is so young. But the game is very slow for him, and he just allows guys to do what they need to do. But while they're doing that, he's already got you beat with the neck up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just 
unfortunately, we've been on the back end of it twice, but it is very fun to watch if you're an NBA fan. And to think Dallas already had the greatest international player of all time, and then we get Luka, uh, we not Dallas, uh, and then the city gets Luca, who could contend for that. Maybe and maybe maybe and Porzingis. I mean, you have two now international stars go along with them. So yeah. the fact that there's those two. Um, let's focus on the Pelicans a little bit here as they get ready to face the Phoenix Suns. Um, unfortunately, we just found this out that the last time these two teams pl played was the last time the Pelicans actually have won a game because it's been a six-game losing streak. So I'll go to our resident expert, Jim Eichenhofer, uh -oh. in here. Pressure's put on. Put him on the spot. I'm raising the roof right now. Just <laughs> As far as just what's been going on in these six games, I know there's a, a ton of things that we can talk about as far as why, but kind of what sticks out to you the most about the struggle so far? I think it still goes back to the defensive end. I mean – this it already happened this morning at shoot-around. I asked a question about offense, and Brandon Ingram immediately said defense, So, which I understand because I feel like um, the players, everybody wants to try to do as much as they can to try to fix some of the problems at the at end of the floor. Um, the game, There's been some times in recent games, too, where I feel like the players and coaches haven't been totally pleased with the effort. So that's another thing that they have to get corrected. It's not like it's a game-long thing where you don't see effort, but certain – um, segments of the game where you're you're not seeing the hustle plays. Um, my guy Kenrich being unavailable, I think, hurts in that aspect. Right. And obviously we could talk about injuries for forever, but <clears throat> the bottom line is with the guys that are here, they have to do better and they have to, especially on the defensive end, you can't have these – the situation where consistently you're giving up 115, 120 points. Look, we keep kind of bringing up this balance, and I'll get to you, Todd, here as far as the balance of using injuries – in continuity as an excuse, but at the same time, it's a big problem for the Pelicans right now. You don't have your your front court in favors in Zion. You've been out with Kenrich Williams. Uh, in the first 20 games, every player has now missed at least one game on this Pelican squad, which some teams haven't had any injuries throughout this whole season. So I feel like, I mean, you have to throw that as part of the equation too, don't you think? You do, and I know Alvin Gentry has come out and he said it after the last game. He, he said it after the Dallas game. We cannot use this as an excuse anymore. But that is reality. There's just there's been no consistency whatsoever as far from day one, really, as far as who is playing when. You you just don't know in, in the second quarter what the rotation's going to be because it changes every game. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's going to finish ball games because it changes every game. That is an issue. And again, I know coach mentioned we can't use it as an excuse. But it's just very difficult to maintain consistency when you don't have consistency with your players. So I have a couple of questions. One for the grizzled vet here on set in Todd Graffinini. Uh, and, and I mean that with all respect, my friend. You have been around this game for so long. Hot button topic of late has been the fact that communication is obviously key with defense, right? Um, we have heard rumblings that this team – doesn't talk much like off the court. I'm wondering if that is just like a generational thing. Like, are we okay with social media now with everyone just glued to their phones and you're not talking, you're texting and you're tweeting. Is this like a generational issue? I think it is. Uh, you know, I was watching uh, a, a game last night on television and they had, uh, and I can't recall because I watched a bunch of them, but they were doing a post game with, with a player, with a college player and said, you know, we're going to communicate here, but you have to actually talk to the person. You like can't text. Okay. You can't text. So no texting on the court. I think there's, I think there's some validity in that. I really do. Um, but no, you've got to communicate, especially on the defensive end. And we watch practice. We listen to Coach Bizdelic 
day after day after day. And the word is communicate. You got to talk. You got to talk. He, he says it incessantly, incessantly. So at some point, it's got to be hammered home. So like, how do you fix that? <laughs> Hmm. Come on, Jim. We need to we need, a like a, we need a kumbaya led by Jim. I really and, don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those things where you have to just stress it as much as possible. Um, if the players take that in and, and change how they communicate or how much they talk, then you've accomplished something. But, I mean, to some extent, I think that you also have to factor that in in terms of the combination of players that you have or personalities more to the point that you – you can't have an entire team of guys that don't talk a lot. You, it's it's good to have some guys that have some energy, some guys that are really, um, what's the word, energetic and rambunctious. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Zylan Cheatham is probably one of the guys. Right. I know he's in the G League right now, but in terms of what we're talking about as far as the personality that you need or the, the kind of um, guy who's always up. and The get-in-your-face kind of guy, yeah, too. Yes. Yeah. So, We've been talking about this. Who is the vocal leader on the team? I, I think I, I think they're still trying to figure it out. I think JJ is most capable Correct. of being that. Um, but from what I've gathered, he is more one on one with that sort of ability. Right. He's more, you know he'll he'll grab you one on one and right. have that heart to heart with you as kind of like the the big brother figure on this team, right? But it's like who's that guy? Like, do they need? I mean, do you need in today's day and age a guy that's gonna like? fire up the troops in the huddle and, you know, in clutch time. And but again, it's one you thing go, hearing it from a coach, but from a player, but right? But then if you go to the generational thing, if somebody starts getting in your face, does it backfire on you? You, you just don't yeah. know. You and, just don't know. And to your point, um, the, you know, how you kind of need that guy that's just a good energy in the locker room. So mm -hmm. Antonio Daniels talks all the time about how back when he was playing, you know, when they'd have team lunches or whether they were on the bus, I mean, they're laughing and they're joking, you know, they're talking, you know, they're, they're poking fun at each other. And there's just like that camaraderie. And again, it goes back to the phones. It's like, you see these guys, as soon as they're off the floor, everyone's on their phone, they're checking yeah. their tweets, they're checking their, you know, and it's just a completely well, different I, generation. Go ahead, I hope we don't get to the point where somebody says, they were late on a help because they didn't get a tweet from <laughs> yeah. somebody. Hey, you were supposed to let tweet me. Slide me. in JJ's yeah. DMs. Hey, you move over, to, man. Yeah. You were supposed to tweet me that I was supposed to help on that. And since I didn't get a tweet from you, so that's it's <laughs> your fault. Snapchat guy. I, I, think, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it should be said though. This is a good group of guys. There's no For dissension sure. or anything yes, like that. Yes, it's, yes. They they, they get along they lead with by each example. other. Absolutely. It's not a lead by being vocal. It's a lead by. I mean, Drew's the typical lead by example guy, not the guy that's gonna get in your face. But I mean. A lot of guys cling on to that, too. So it's just more of finding that balance of finding that guy that can be getting in your face when the time comes, but also being that person that can lead without having to scream and shout every time. Yes. And speaking of a great energy, can we talk about the heart and soul, or at least the guy they're calling the heart and soul in Kenrich Williams? I know you brought him up earlier. Sure. Um, That's Jim's favorite player. <laughs> I love Kenrich. I know Aiden oh, yeah. is like a huge fan. I covered him at TCU, oh, yeah. and I just think he is one of the coolest stories, having sure. come from zero offers out of high school, undrafted out of TCU, and here he is. I mean, he's one of those guys that, not to sound like a basketball snob here, but I feel like he's one of those people that the people who really like live and breathe basketball appreciate him because he's not a stat guy. He's there's there's times I, I feel like he'll have a game where he doesn't play well, and I'll get a bunch of or he doesn't shoot well, and I'll get a bunch of tweets from people saying like, oh, he should play, he shouldn't play as much, and it's like you don't understand him if you're if you're saying like, oh, he was two for six from the floor, so he, therefore he had a bad game. That's not what he's about, and I think. Too, when you have a in, in just a team situation, he helps so much in terms of like bringing it all together, being the cliche glue guy. Totally, um, he just does all that stuff. He impacts the game in ways outside of a box score, right. right? And I think early in the season, that was Josh Hart. Josh Hart did a lot of those 
mm-hmm. gritty, gutty things that don't get caught in a box score. And Kenrich Williams, as the season went on, again, we're still very early in the season if you think about it, uh, then Kenrich started to, to get things going, but then Josh Hart got hurt. So you really haven't seen those two guys on the floor at the mm-hmm. same time, and I think that really affects defensively as far as getting the tough rebounds. Josh Hart's led this team in rebounds five different times this year. Mm-hmm. That is a guard. That yeah. is a guard, but we've seen Kenrich Williams do the same thing. You know, one quick thing I was going to say to go back quick briefly to the communication thing. I do think that there's an element of that young teams have. You can talk about the generational part of it, and I think that's probably a factor, but there's a young teams have this is, issue where if you, you have a lot of guys that don't have a lot on their resume in terms of NBA proven what they've done in the pros it makes it harder for guys to be quote-unquote leaders because you you have to have established something in your career on the floor before you can have the voice that allows you to say hey everybody else this is what you guys need to do better so I do think that we should we should also think about that or factor that in it just that you have a really young roster overall that that's a great point it's still gets lost in the shuffle that you have so many guys that are 23 and younger on mm-hmm. this team. It's you, you don't think about it when they're out there, but that is a fact. How there old does tw- that make you feel, Todd? I am ancient <laughs> compared to I'm these. I'm feeling ancient. I, you know, I'm Did you call him the grizzled veteran because of his beard or actually because he's the veteran? He is of the literally the beard and will, figuratively the beard will not the be there veteran. much longer. It will not be there. That sealed the deal. Literally right? and figuratively the grizzled veteran here on. No. Listen, and can uh, speaking of the, the young guys, um, I want to talk about Jackson Hayes really quick. Yeah, let's do it. Because, again, this is a kid that really wasn't supposed to be inserted into the rotation until, what, like closer to Christmas? They wanted to, like, really, mm-hmm. like, you know, wait to develop him. And here he was thrust not only into the rotation but the starting lineup. There were thoughts and, and you know, rumblings before the season started that he was going to take a red shirt, that he wasn't even going to play at all. Wow. So – and yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I and, mean, there's and, the strength and, and, and things like that that they need to. He needs to bulk up a little bit. Yes. And of course, that will happen over time. But I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a learning year for him, just because, as David Griffin will say, he hasn't played a ton of elite basketball. You know, he transitioned from football as a high schooler. He grew 11 inches from his freshman year to That's his senior so year. He played a lot of point guard and then moved to center, but. Besides the senior year of high school and one year at Texas, that's basically the elite level basketball that he's played as far as experience. Goes. Oh, and a uh, shameless plug, uh, I did talk to Jackson Hayes for uh, the the exclusive interview edition of Pelicans Weekly, which you can hear later tonight. Well played, my friend. You've worked on this. So he went from <laughs> almost redshirting to starting against Stephen Adams, which is like a death sentence for anyone. In yeah. I don't wish that upon anyone in this league. I don't care who you are. He's the strongest man in the NBA. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. And I want to go back to Kenrich for just a second because we talk about the this new generation and I feel like a lot of the new generation with players it feels like they look at the box score and they look focus on points and rebounds and that but isn't it kind of rare for a guy like Kenrich that these are the types of guys that make it longer in the league because they know that they can be more successful playing the game that's more suitable to them and not more just lighting up the box or taking 45 shots but hitting 30 points I always say that once you get past the elite group of players or that top tier of guys what determines success in a, in a career for a lot of people or the longevity is just self-awareness of, okay, how do I, how can I be the most successful? And just talking to Kenrich a bunch, the last couple seasons, it sounds like he's, he was way ahead of the curve as far as even when he was, I think in high school, he realized like, okay, I'm probably not going to be the guy that averages 30 points a game. So how do I get, how do I be the most successful that I can be on the court? Um, when you're coming through AAU and some of the developmental parts of areas of basketball, a lot of times players do think that they have to score. 
the most. But um, to Kenrich's credit, he definitely realized, like, I'm a hustle guy. I'm a rebounder. Yep. I'm a defender. And, I mean, like you said, Daniel, I mean, that is – Nancy, Nancy calls him Kenny IQ. She prefers yeah. Kenny IQ Kenny over Kenny Hustle. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Just he, has, he, has both, he has both, yeah. but, if, you know. If he was one of those guys that was, like, from the time he was a young player, he was like, I, I need to score 25 points a game, he probably wouldn't be here. But instead, he's going to have probably a long career in the NBA be, just because of the recognition of understanding, like, this is how I can be the most effective. Well, back a couple of weeks ago when the Pelicans had won five out of seven games, Kenrich Williams was a huge part of it. And talking to Coach Gentry, I, I think it was after the Portland game, after he had taken three charges, which does not go into a box score. Mm -hmm. And Coach Gentry told me, he said, this kid's going to be in the league for a long time because when I look at a box score, I don't care what a stat line is. I absolutely do not give a hoot what it says because I know he's affecting the game yes. in a positive way. And one of the things is they want to try to get the NBA to put those types of things in a box score yep. that you take three charges yep. in a game because nobody nobody cares about it when it's all said and done. And to both of your points, uh, we all know father time will eventually catch up. But that's physically, yep. um, mentally, like that's that's what's going to uh, elongate your your time here in the in the league, right? Also, I believe I called you Todd earlier in the show. I apologize. It's, it's, no one calls you Todd. It's well, crap. my mother does, but my that's okay. <laughs> when he's in trouble, Todd. <laughs> I was like, there's my uh, PTI mistake for the day. I called Graf Todd. We'll go back to that at the end and, and recorrect it. Um, unfortunately, though, we might not even see Kenrich Williams tonight. We've been talking all this great stuff, but he is questionable to play here. Um, same with Derek Favors. So let's kind of get into tonight real quick before we get out of here. Aaron, of course, you've been uh, talking to some of the players here at Shoot Around. What are some of the storylines for you and the Fox Sports crew heading into tonight's ballgame? Um, obviously the fact that Phoenix was their last win, coincidentally, yes. exactly two nights two weeks, ago. Two, two weeks ago two, tonight. Or two weeks ago tonight, yep. yes. Um, and that was, with, it was a win without Ricky Rubio. I think he will certainly change the game tonight. That was a huge, that, you know what, that was an underrated uh, move this offseason, I think. Mm. Obviously, oh, absolutely. this was like the, the wildest offseason yep. of all time, and every mm -hmm. one of our analysts has said that. But I think that certainly flew under the radar. What do you think Ricky Rubio brings to the floor tonight? I think one of the biggest things of why that was an underrated move and why he's so huge, honestly, being totally blunt here, is that Phoenix's point guard play the last couple of years was so bad. And that a lot of times they asked Devin Booker to slide over and play point guard, which isn't his, his strong suit. And I think the difference between the guys that they had in previous years and Ricky Rubio and Ricky Rubio is a good player. I think he's underrated in a lot of ways, but it's just a massive jump. So all of a sudden you have kind of a rudderless offense to now you have one of the guys who's, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great three point shooter, but in terms of floor game, he's one of the best guys in the league as far as he knows how to run an offense and he knows how to get people shots. So I'm nerding out right now because you totally brought up a point that I wanted to bring on the Pell side, and that's the fact that Drew, we've seen the same situation here in New yep. Orleans. Drew Holiday mm -hmm. thrust into the point guard position when it's like we need him off. We saw two years yep. ago when Rondo was feeding him, he had his most success at the shooting guard position. It's like if Lonzo Ball would maybe average, you know, try for more assists than threes, maybe we could do that. You know, that's the issue right now as well is that you have Lonzo Ball who has attempted more threes than assists this season. Yeah. Two weeks ago, 
I thought the Pelicans did a tremendous job on Devin Booker. I don't think he hit 20 points. I, w- I want to say he scored 19. Well, that's where Drew Holiday comes into yeah, play. Yeah. So, and, and that was huge. That was, you know, it, it was such a Brandon Ingram type of game because he took over down the stretch in that game yeah. and had those huge buckets that gave the Pelicans that nine-point lead, and then it got very, very hairy at the end. We can we could go into that, but that was a solid Let's road not. win. We, we won't because I had a heart attack that night. Um, but – it, it was a solid road win, uh, but again, there was no Rubio. He was not distributing. I think Devin Booker tried to do too much la- that night, and Drew Holiday said, no, I don't think you're going to do anything because I got you on lockdown. So yeah. let's hope Drew can move back to the two position and we get maybe a full-time point guard going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about putting guys in the best position they possibly can be to be successful. I feel like when Drew plays off the ball, he catches the ball closer to the basket. He doesn't. The decision-making is cut way down. When he's at point guard, obviously – Every point guard always has to decide how much do I shoot, how much do I pass. But when you put him at the two, I think he's able to be a lot more aggressive and he's a lot more efficient because he's playing closer to the basket on offense most of the time. All right. Hey, so what? anyone else before we go here, kind of a, a takeaway for tonight. Not a takeaway, but what we can look forward to, anything. Like you, Aaron Baines, too, that's another one that he yes. did not play um, the first time around. He might not play Didn't tonight. play last night. So that could be a huge thing, especially for Jackson Hayes. You mentioned his matchup with Stephen with uh, Stephen Adams. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Baines too. Say, how about like Frank Kaminsky getting more minutes in the front court right. uh, because of so many injuries? You know, like the Pelicans. But uh, coming off what a season high twenty three yeah, no, in he Orlando, played, he played very well last night. I think he night, found his shot, yeah, especially in the first half. You don't need Frank Kaminsky stepping out no. and starting <laughs> to make threes. So we don't need Frank finding his shot no. now. It should be a fun one tonight. And Aaron, what time do you all start your pregame before you all get going? It'll be a 6.30 pregame uh, from the atrium, the, the hopefully the much warmer atrium yeah. of the Smoothie King Center. Um, and then I will be filling the very large and impossible shoes of Jen Hale somehow. So tune in. Maybe we'll get you a, maybe we'll get you a jacket from this <laughs> season. We can get you a jacket <laughs> yeah, from this listen, season. Yeah, where, where wow. is the current on-court collection? Because I got the discounted one in like the back corner of the team store. Visit it, by the way. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's right by where Aaron and them hang out come say hi to her and uh, she'll be on the sidelines tonight and on saturday as the pelicans take on the mavericks at 1 p.m of course the show is brought to you by SeatGeek. trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated there's hundreds of sites in shady pricing with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place search for and discover the best deals on seats buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps best of all our listeners can get 20 dollars off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app use the code gopels at checkout, SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets as Todd wonderfully promoted tonight on uh, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. One hour of programming for you. We'll have Pelicans Weekly starting at 6 as Todd chats with Jackson Hayes. Caroline Gonzalez will chat with Drew Holiday, kind of get into the holiday spirit and the season of giving. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you at 6.30, and then Todd and JD will have the call at 7. And, of course, Joel Myers, Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, Aaron Hardigan, and the crew on Fox Sports New Orleans. Guys, I'm glad we got to do this. Thanks for stopping in studio, Thanks Aaron. Thanks for putting up with me. Let's do it again soon. All right. Until Monday for our next podcast, we'll talk to you tonight from the arena. Thanks for listening.